So last night, we had the great Filipino tradition hosted at our parish. They've got this whole string of nights called Simbangabi, which means evening mass in Tagalog. And they go around all over the diocese and do different events. And a lot of priests were there. And great evening. Father Sarmiento was there last night. He said, oh, I thought of you when I was preparing for this weekend. I was like, oh, yeah, really? He's like, yeah, God speaking to Joseph when he's sleeping. That was like you in seminary all those years when we were in chapel together. <laughs> Father Sarmiento. But, you know, we spent three years together out in Nebraska. Uh, we were actually classmates until I did my year of remedial work here at the parish a couple years ago. So we got ordained a year ahead of me. But uh, we had a lot of great times. And, and also just yesterday, I thought of something that happened six years ago. You know how Facebook pops up and says, you posted this six years ago. I don't know. Social media is the worst. But something had posted my mom. So she sent it and kind of told me, reminded me that um, on December 21st, 2013, I had finished my semester and actually went out to western Nebraska with a fellow seminarian and went pheasant hunting for a couple days. And when we were in seminary, we had uh, cars donated to the diocese. Very nice of people to do that. But a lot of times it was cars at the end of their life. So a lot of seminarians have stories about cars breaking down on them and different problems. So I had this tiny little Ford, a type of Ford that would probably lose against a big dog if they decided to go at it with each other. So I'm out there, didn't get anything. I'm on my way back and it's December 21st. I'm gonna drive all the way back, something like 20 hours. Uh, no, it's not 20 hours, like 17 hours uh, from Western Nebraska. And the car is starting to shake, starting to make noises. And this is like middle of nowhere, Western Nebraska, where they could shoot a space movie because it looks like Mars out there. It's alien looking, it's very foreign and strange. And I'm like, dear God, please don't let this car have problems right now. And sure enough, it dies on me. And I'm out there in Western Nebraska a few days before Christmas, just on my knees saying, sweet baby Jesus, please help me right now not have to spend Christmas in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska. And, uh, you know, it was actually a tremendous story. I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but the Knights came to my rescue. Uh, seminary got a hold of a local council and they got me to a train station, got me home. They actually fixed my car and took it to the seminary. So it was there ready when I got back after the next semester. God bless the Knights. But this, this, this way of thinking about approaching a situation uh, is I think very common for all of us. That when we go to God, it's like, God, please help me. I'm on my knees. If you got just two seconds, just listen to me for one, maybe just tiny second, if you have a spare moment and could just help me right now. And many theologians have discussed this, our way of viewing God that I'm sure we're all very familiar with, and they've called it the Prometheus effect. If you remember your Greek mythology, Prometheus was the one who went up Mount Olympus to the, dweller, uh, the place where the dwelling of the gods were, and he went to get fire, because the, the life of humans on earth was so deplorable, they didn't even have a way to heat their food. So he goes up there and he, and, he, and he steals something from the God without them knowing through the darkness of night in a Mission Impossible type mission and takes fire and brings it back down. And the humans are like, oh, now life is a little bit get better. Because gods don't really care about the humans on earth. They're very distant and cold and 
godlike and we're just humans. And if you'd please just listen to me for one second. That's the wrong way of looking at God. Nowhere in Christianity is that the way we understand our relationship with God. Maybe other religions, but not ours. Look at the first reading. We have Ahaz, this king in a very tough situation. And the prophet Isaiah, we've been reading in Advent, goes to him and, and is talking to him, pleading for him to dream big and ask God to come through in a big way. And he says, I can't tempt God. I can't even beg God to help me. And he kind of scolds him. He gets after him. He's like, no, you have to. You have to dream big. You have to God to shatter the way that you are looking at life. And he says, not only that, but I'll give you a prophecy that one day a virgin will give birth to a child and they will name him Emmanuel. God is with us. And then, and then our lives will be changed. That's where our hope is. And we find that as well being referenced in the gospel. Talk about someone who had all right to get on his knees and ask God to help. St. Joseph, someone who's often very overlooked, the strife that he went through, to find out the woman you're engaged to, someone you're planning on spending the rest of your life with, is with child. How much betrayal did he feel in that moment? Confusion. It would have been, he would have had every right under the law of Moses at this time to publicly shame Mary. He could have had her killed. He could have had her stoned. But out of the goodness of his heart, out of the not understanding the confusion, he just decided, you know what? I'll, I'll divorce her quietly. We've all had nights where something really big is on our heart and it's hard to sleep. You almost got to put TV on just to distract you to eventually just pass out. Imagine how hard it was for Joseph to fall asleep that night. And here this angel comes to him in a dream. Gabriel says, no, Joseph, let me explain it to you. This is the prophecy fulfilled. 700 years ago when Isaiah talked about Emmanuel, that's, that's this child. God has invited you to be a part of something bigger than you could have ever even imagined. That's the type of relationship, brothers and sisters, that God wants to have with each and every one of us. Because when I say we need to dream big, when we need to ask God to come into our hearts, there's big things, but a lot of times it's bigger than we can even imagine. It's not material possessions, it's not trivial things, and I, I don't want to dismiss what could be very big things, but God, I'm talking about big picture. I'm talking about what Christ really wants to break into our hearts. I'm talking about the salvation of your soul. I'm talking about life and death. I'm talking about whether or not we're going to accept the grace that God wants to give us to be the saints that we're called to be. He wants to shatter our reality. We're so near focused, we, we're just staring at the wall in our face and saying, this is all I can see. And God is saying in the readings, I'm inviting you 
to trust me. I'm inviting you to let me break into your life just to let me pull you close to me so that you can see a bigger picture than you could ever imagine. And brothers and sisters, that's the reading the church gives us a few days before Christmas because Christ is coming. But in a real way, he's already here. Those 700 years of the Jewish people waiting, they're, they're, they're over. We are now living in, in a new world where Christ became man. God is dwelling with us. The gifts of the relationship that he wants to have with us, he's inviting us to accept right now. He wants to blow you away. He wants to shatter your reality. He wants to give you so many gifts. It's just whether or not you're willing to let the Holy Spirit give you the courage to ask.